Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Save up to $450 on a Gibson Les Paul Studio Deluxe, up to $900 on a Gibson Les Paul Trad Pro 4, or save up to 20% on other select Gibson guitars. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a September 15th Thursday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson a writer for BlazersEdge.com and the former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back. It is crossover week on the Locked On Podcast Network. And without a lot of pomp and circumstance, uh, I present to you my conversation with Fred Katz, the Thunder beat writer for the Norman Transcript, and the host of Locked On Thunder about the Blazers and Thunder and where we see both of those teams ending up in the coming season. Hello there, everyone. We're locked in for episode 41 of Locked on Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Another crossover episode today. Going to have David Ramel from Locked on Heat joining me later to talk a few minutes about Dion Waiters and what kind of a season he stands to have this year. But first, sitting right here, well, right there on Skype, behind the computer in Portland, Locked on Blazers host, Eric Gunderson. How's Portland? It's good. We thought that Summer had left for good last week, but now it, it seems to be back a little bit. Uh, mm. Not unlike what we thought about the Blazers last year. We thought that they were going to be gone from the playoff picture, and then suddenly they were back in it. <laughs> so some quick housekeeping before we get going. Locked on Thunder and Locked on Blazers are part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Head on to iTunes and search Locked on Thunder or Locked on Blazers or Locked on whatever team you're looking for to subscribe to the podcast. We've got NFL ones too. You can leave a review if you're feeling like it. Also five stars is always nice. Find us on audio. Only five stars. (laughs) Yeah. Only five stars. If you want to give one, like you can just send me hate mail instead. I prefer that. It's, it's more personal anyway, if you send the hate mail and you can go and find us on audioboom.com too. You can go to normantranscript.com to follow my thunder coverage too. And, 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 you know, there's a lot to discuss there and, and today's joint venture between Locked on Thunder and Locked on Blazers is brought to you by SeatGeek. You can use SeatGeek to find the best deals on tickets. And remember, I'm on every day of the week now, off weekends, but shows Monday through Friday. It's the same with you, right? Uh, pretty much. I think it's kind of a sliding schedule. I will be doing five days a week, but some days we may publish on Saturday. Like this week, we're planning to publish on Saturday because we published our first podcast on Tuesday this week. Ooh, you guys are – you. Leave it to to the Portland podcast to go hipster with Locked On. Right, exactly. Like very, very you know, leisurely, uh, you know, self, you know, you clean, bust your own table type thing, you know. Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday to Saturday week. Screw, screw this Saturday <laughs> Sunday weekend. We're going with the Sunday Monday weekend. <laughs> That's right. The alternative weekend. The yeah. alt, the alt weekend. Alt, 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 alt weekend. Dibs on a bat on a band name. FYI. Okay. 
Alt Weekend has a great sound. I, it, did you ever see that video? Sorry to be on a tangent, but where they ask these people at Bonnaroo or not Bonnaroo, like Coachella, like, are you ready to see these bands? And they're not even real bands. I, that just no, but weird. that sounds great. Yeah. So Alt Alt Weekend is 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 coming to the stage near you. Alt Weekend is they got great stuff. You want to talk about basketball? Yeah. That's why, All right. That's why I'm here. You 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 know about basketball, right? Yeah. I just, I, I, I just, I'd say so. I just want to make sure you you know about basketball. The Blazers made some signings this offseason. Evan Turner, Festus Azili, re-signed some guys. What's the local reception like? Because I know, I know uh, one of the things that I think is interesting, and I think one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast during crossover week is is that the Blazers and the Thunder, while they're projected to be in similar spots in the Western Conference standings, they also have a very similar local feel with the fan bases. And we're talking about two of the smaller markets, certainly in the bottom half uh, when you when you rank market size, certainly in the bottom half of the league. There's no question about that. And they've got similar fan bases, super passionate, always turning up. They're going to be insanely loyal. Um, and I'm wondering what the what the local reception is for this team, because they, they, they performed. They outperformed expectations last year in winning 44 games and and winning a playoff series against an injured Clippers team and getting the five seed in the first round. And, uh, you know, uh, McCollum had a really good year, and it's it's one of the more exciting backcourts in the league. And they made some big signings and brought in Azili on good value and signed up and turned into a really big contract. And what what do fans expect from the team this year in Portland? I think fans are expecting a, a good team. I think they are expecting a more consistent team. I think they're expecting a playoff team once again. Uh, and I think they you know expect them to be in the mix. You know, to potentially get out of the first round, get home court advantage. You know, in the first round, and I, I think fans are expecting them to be a, a really solid team this year. I know they kind of surprised people. I don't think people are like, hey, you know, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna compete with the Warriors and the Spurs and and those teams. I don't think that most people think that the, most fans think that that's what's going to happen. But I do think that there is an excitement about the team, and I do think there's an expectation that this team will be good. You know be in you know get up into the high you know high 40s low 50s range and 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 potentially get home court in the first round I think that's a a real expectation just because of how far they went last year so unexpectedly and I think also the you know the way that they did it the way that they kind of proved uh what people thought about them at the beginning of the season to be wrong the way that they you know, bounced back so well from losing Marcus Aldridge, Nick Batum, Wesley Matthews, Robin Lopez, you know, all extremely good players and proven NBA players. And the fact that they were a young kind of upstart team, I think just really has people excited. And I think they expect them to stick around. I think the offense is going to be really reliable. I think that's the, that's really the one thing that you could look at this team and say, that's the thing that you can rely on for sure. I mean, I think the defense is going to be shaky. They're 21st in defense last year. I think it's going to be shaky, but I think the offense is going to be really reliable. You know, So, Thunder and Blazers, they have kind of, I think they're similar in terms of their overall quality, but they have these kind of, these differing styles in that I think the Thunder are probably going to be top half of the league in defense. Steven Adams and, and Robertson and, and Oladipo and, and a couple other solid defenders I think are going to pull them up, and I think Billy Donovan's a good defensive coach. Uh, and, and I think they're probably going to be in the bottom half, probably the top of the bottom half 
but nonetheless, the bottom half of the league in offense. And the Blazers, I think, are going to go on the other end. Uh, yeah. They, they were 21st in defense last year, and they signed Evan Turner. And, and he's going to get minutes now. Is that going to cut into the Aminu minutes? And if that's the case, what's, what's going to go on? What's going to go on with that defense? I mean, is that is that a defense that could fall into like the bottom seven in the league? You know, I think that they I think that the Evan Turner thing, the the, the addition of Turner, I think actually should help defensively because I don't think I don't see him cutting into Aminu's minutes because one of the developments of this offseason, other than signing Azili and Turner, of course, was the front office's, you know, admission and, you know, advertising of Alfaruk Camino is the starting power forward. We're going to have him at the four. We're going to play small ball all the time and we're going to commit to that all the way. And so I don't really see Turner, even though he is six, seven has more size than some of their other wings. I don't see him cutting into Aminu's minutes at the four. And I think that's where he's most effective. And I think that he can guard bigger players as well. And I think he will be uh, an excellent four. And I think Turner by way of providing another ball handler, he may not share the court with McCollum and Lillard uh, at the same time, but his use as a ball handler, I think will be able to save a little energy for Damian Lillard. And I think, you know, if Damian Lillard can get a little bit more energy and he his defense improves some, then I think that even brings up the Blazers a little bit because I think, you know, they've had this system for a while now. And I think, you know, the the younger guys are starting to run out of excuses for no longer being, you know, effective defenders. And I think Lillard, you know, I think with the help of having an added ball handler, we'll really get a little bit more energy. And I think we'll be improved defensively this season. And I think that could help lead to just an overall improvement, you know, provided that the, the pieces that were already there kind of stay where they are. Plumlee is the question for me. Can he protect the basket? Can their big man protect the basket? And I think that's the biggest question for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless unless all of a sudden like Noah Vonley comes out of nowhere and starts getting minutes, I mean that's that's going to be the case. Although I'm still on the Noah Vonley train. Yeah, I, I'm 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 still like I feel like I'm I'm one of the only ones there, but I'm like I am I am still on the Noah Vonley bandwagon. You and me, man. You and me are. I, I believe in Noah Vonley. I I I just I love his talent. Like I, he had a he kind of had a, a a bummer of a summer league. Like he didn't perform as well as he wanted to. A, a bummer league. A bummer league for for yeah for a better wording. Uh, but uh, um, he yeah he didn't have a great summer league and he turned out to be it turned out you know he has an injury he had a, a procedure to remove uh, I think it was like a bone or something uh, in his. Quad, sorry for the terrible description. I should be better than that, but it was a surgery that's keeping him out three to four weeks. That's what I do know. And, um, you know, he may have been dealing with that there. And I just think his talent, the, the length, the ball handling that he can do. I mean, I had people, I've said this before on the podcast on locked on blazers and that's that I had someone in the blazers organization tell me last year, like, you know, this guy has just as good a handles as like, as any of the other guards other than like CJ McCollum, who like has amazing handles, but like Vonley has, you know, guard like handle at, you know, six ten. he's big, he's wide. He can, he has a pretty decent knack for rebounding. It's just, you know, he's not always tuned in. He doesn't really have that edge yet to kind of be like, okay, like, you know, just not taking it from anybody, you know, like, I think that's one of the things he doesn't really have that edge yet. And I think he also loses focus from time to time and his jump shot, whether it's confidence 
or execution is just not there yet either. So let's – you want to play a game? Okay. I'm down to play a game. Let's, let's play I, – I, I, wish, I wish we had, we had like, a, like a sound graphic in which I could, I could throw it up there and, you know, like how like Fallon plays a game and, play, and you know, you have a who's better. Let's call it who's better. All right, let's 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 have it. Let's let's throw up a sound graphic of of some like old folksy person saying, "Who's better?" That's it. That's Not, our graphic. Like who? Okay, who's better? There we go. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Similar players on these teams. Who off? Who would you rather have? CJ McCollum or Victor Oladipo? CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum. That was a quick answer. I think C.J. McCollum is really, really good. I, I think C.J. McCollum is a wonderful offensive player. And if we're just talking offense, I get that. I agree with you that I'd rather have C.J. McCollum. I'm just surprised that your answer was that quick. I think Oladipo really wows me sometimes with his athleticism. And he is a much better defender than C.J. just because he is so athletic. But C.J. McCollum isn't a bad defender. Like, he may be undersized, but I wouldn't consider him a bad defender. Let's just put it like this. I don't think C.J. McCollum is who, when the Blazers have struggled most defensively, I don't think it's C.J. McCollum who's holding them back. That's fair. And, and defense from your shooting guard is not necessarily going to make or break you. Right. Like, I'd, I'd rather have down defense from, like, a wing whose role it is to guard big wings. Or, or I'd just say I'd rather have that than bad defense from a wing whose role it is to guard big wings. Or, obviously, you don't want bad defense in a center. And, and if you have a point guard who's always, you know, maybe dying on – it's always dying on ball screens or something like that, it might kill you more. So two-guard defense might be the least important, which is, which is a perfectly – Perfectly fair point. But however, two point versatility can be can be a real asset. That being said, um, yeah, I'll take I'll take McCollum too. Who'd you rather have Ennis Canner? And this is a this is a good one because Ennis Canner could have been a Trailblazer. He signed that offer sheet with the Trailblazers, and uh, and uh, the Thunder ended up matching on it for seventy million dollars. Would you rather have Ennis Canner or or Mason Plumley? Oh man, that's that's really hard. I am going to go with Plumley because I just think you just I mean he he's frustrating in a lot of ways in probably similar ways that I think Cantor can be frustrating but I'm starting to believe a little bit more in like the value of being able to do lots of different things and I think Plumley does more different things so I'm going to start I'm going to lean towards towards Plum Dog it's it's interesting because Canner is incredible at like three things. Right. Plumley Plumley is an amazing passer, I have to say. Plumley is like one of the best passing big men in the league in my mind. He is he is a wonderful passer. Uh I I I have an annoying answer for this. I I think it's the answer is it depends on the team. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to go there, but I wasn't sure I was allowed to. <laughs> yeah. Well, who cares? We don't even have a theme song. We can make up the rules as we go. <laughs> just our, like, our theme song just is like the me. weekend. Just like the weekend. Yeah. Just like the all. Oh, we have, to get, we have to get alt weekend to do our theme song. So who's better? Yeah. It'll be really good. Absolutely. And we'll have them perform it at Coachella. I'm ready. Alt, 
Alt Weekend would be the most likely band to bring. Like, do you think Alt Weekend would go to Coachella over Bonnaroo? Because I do. Oh, yeah. I think, oh, yeah, because people would be like, oh, like, Alt Weekend. Like, got to go check them out at the, you know, Palm Tree stage or whatever. <laughs> I've never been to Coachella. So I, I, can tell from, I can tell from your, your, your immediate hesitation and then, and then just how, 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 like, Hard tongue doer on palm tree stage, right? Uh, well, it should have been more seamless, or I would have pulled it off. It's okay. I've never been to Coachella either. I, 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 uh, I live in Oklahoma. I don't know what music festivals we have. We have here. You gotta look that up, man. I know. I gotta find that. I know Bruce was here in April, and I missed him, and that's that's the real disappointment. Ah, oh, man. That's that's, uh, that's that's the really disappointing one. Yeah. Does, okay. that, does that make you a bad New Yorker? For- well, I've seen him six times. Okay. okay. So, right. so, so I've never seen him before, and this was my one opportunity. Okay. I've seen him six times. Okay. So, so I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Okay. You're fine. Yeah. I think I'm okay. Uh, all right. Who's, here's a variation of who's better. Okay. Better defender, Andre Robertson or Alpha Rukamino? This is a good one. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good at these scenarios. This is a good question. Um, man, I love Aminu. I, I, I think Aminu, I, I think Aminu, I just think like, I don't know. It's probably because I've watched Aminu guard more like elite offensive players. I know that Robertson does that. I know he has that task, but I've just seen Aminu do it more, and he's really, really good at it. And so, like, I – to me, it's a toss-up. Like, I really just think, like – I mean, I, I, I guess I just wouldn't say I, – I haven't studied Robertson enough, but I do know that Aminu – you know, I guess it would just be like, who do you think is – because I think Aminu is better, actually. He's more adept at guarding, like, big men and bigger wings, like Gordon Hayward – and he can like really guard like Gordon Hayward and like LaMarcus Aldridge really well. But like, I think he's not quite as good against maybe like James Harden. I, I completely agree with that assessment. I think, I think I would take, take Robertson. Now I think Aminu is the better player okay. uh, because Aminu is, is, you know, obviously the better offensive player and, and he shot so much better last year than he ever has from three. Um, and that's something that Robertson's still working on, obviously. And if he ever made threes, that would change his game a lot. But for now, Aminu is 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 the better player because Aminu kind of like Aminu like three years ago wasn't all that different from what Robertson is right now. Um, Aminu's a little bigger, which I think does allow him to play the four um, more consistently than Robertson can. Although we've seen Robertson play the four, but you're not going to have Robertson guard say Aldridge. I would say though, like. I think Robertson's gotten a lot better at guarding, and I think he's an excellent defensive player. I think he's gotten a lot better at guarding the big wings. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have him play a position down, then I'd rather Aminu. But if you're going to have him play at their natural position and guard threes, uh, like Robertson did a fantastic job against Kawhi Leonard in the Western Conference semifinals last year. Uh, he was he was awesome. And when and when Kawhi tried to post him up. He was great, and he held his ground, and he got a handsy with him, and he was smart, and he plays within the offense. And I do think Robertson is a little better at – just because, honestly, it's really hard because Aminu's a big wing. Like, he's a tall guy, and it's really hard for someone that big to, to chase guys around screens 
because it's a you're a bigger target. You're just getting you're more likely to get screened up. Um, and guys that big who have long strides, they they tend to. It's easier to screen those guys. It's easier to just lay a body on those guys. And I think Robertson's a little more slithery when he he goes around uh, chasing guys around screens. So if they're playing at their natural position, I actually would say I, I would t- I would take Robertson. But I think Aminu has become really really great player on an unbelievable contract, which people thought was an overpay when he first signed it last year. That was a great question, Fred. I just wanted to, I just really wanted to congratulate you again. Like that was a great question. Cause that, <laughs> cause that, no, those two guys are like very similar and yeah, that deal is insane. Like, especially, you know, when you look at the deals that they signed most of the rest of the guys to, I bet you like, you know, I mean, who's I'm sure happy with his money and not mad, but like, I mean, maybe his agent's like, wow, like I could have gotten Aminu a lot more money because like, I mean, look at, you know, I mean, he probably he couldn't have because he was just coming off a minimum deal. But it was like, I mean, it was a lot of money at the time and it's like nothing now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it's it's funny. And, and they also the Blazers got get those decreasing contracts, too. Yeah, they have that with with him and with Ed Davis as well. Um so yeah, no, they, they they did a great job of that, and then this year they kind of just kind of ponying up the dough. But so you know, with with regards to the Thunder, I know I think I I agree. I think they're going to be like them, Utah, perhaps Minnesota and Portland. I think all could be around the same ballpark and number. But I think you got more too. I think I think Houston could potentially be in there. Uh huh. Um, and we're forgetting somebody. Oh, Memphis could potentially Memphis. be in there depending on if they stay healthy. Right, exactly. So you got all those teams that are kind of in the same boat. So how does Oklahoma City, where do you, I mean, is Westbrook's usage rate going to be like it was the year that he was playing without Durant for a lot of the year, but they were still losing? Like, is it going to be that kind of year? Like, what do you expect to see from him this upcoming season, I think they're more talented. Obviously, health was a big problem that year as well. But, you know, where do you see them kind of shifting their offense? Because I know Westbrook can take a lot of it, but he he's can't take all of it. No, he, he can't take all of it. And I honestly don't think he will take all of it. I mean, people people talk about it, and I've, I've, I've honestly written about and and honestly kind of uh, in some ways regret an article that I wrote at the beginning of July, shortly after Kevin Durant left about kind of where Westbrook's usage rate numbers could be and how it's plausible that he could have the, the highest usage rate we've really ever seen since the merger. Uh, and, and during that season when in 2014, 15, when Kevin Durant got hurt and Ibaka got hurt and he actually got hurt for part of it too, but that season, he had the second highest usage rate since the merger in the mid seventies, the NBA ABA merger. He had the second highest usage rate ever behind Kobe in oh five oh six. And I figured, you know, he's doing this for a full year. Maybe he could do it. Maybe he could be the first guy to have a forty percent usage. And uh, and I, and I guess it's still like there's there's greater than a zero percent chance that that happens. But after really thinking about it and you know, like really talking to people who are smarter than me about it, and and really starting to think about it in a more nuanced way than Russell Westbrook likes to shoot. Now he gets to shoot more and leaving my logic at that. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I think he's going to shoot a lot, obviously. And I think he's going to shoot more than he did last year. Cause like he should shoot more than he did last year. Uh, he's a really good basketball player and he's going to have the ball in his hands more. So uh, I think he, he, he's obviously going to shoot more and maybe he'll lead the league in usage. Like that's, a total plausible plausible scenario for me, but I just don't think it's going to go as far as, as as it did a couple of years ago. 
I think he evolved as a player last year. I think part of that was Billy Donovan. A lot of it was obviously him because he's the one making the moves. I think he became a better facilitator. He was more intelligent in the pick and roll. He didn't take quite as many of those you know, bad contested long twos with time left on the shot clock. Um, he, he really concentrated more on getting to the rim and, and shooting threes. And people knock the amount of threes that he's taking. And, and he probably shouldn't take as many threes as he does. But those threes... You know, they used to be long twos, and at least at least they're threes now. You know, like that. I'd rather those shots be threes than I would twenty-two footers. You know, I'd, I'd rather him take that extra step back, or, or or not take that additional step that he was taking out of pick and rolls and whatnot, and take a twenty-two foot contested shot off the dribble. So uh, I think he's been he's been a, a more you know he's been a better decision maker over the last year and i just don't see that regressing i don't think it was a fluke that he turned that way i actually think it's going to go the opposite way and i think he's going to shoot a ton because he's just right it's probably going to be in the mid 30s i'm not saying otherwise i just don't think we're going to see anything historic in the amount that he shoots i don't think it's going to be like a like a peak Iverson year or a peak Kobe year or like a peak McGrady or that one year where Wade went nuts. I think it was Oh nine and just shot like crazy or that rust year from a couple of years ago. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think he's going to have a great year and I think the counting numbers are going to be crazy, but I don't know if the assists are going to go up that much. Like more than a quarter of his shots last year were assists to Kevin Durant. Uh, that's, you know, that's not as easy of an assist right now because they don't really have a wing who can shoot threes and they don't have a wing who can create off the dribble and they don't even have a wing who's a great cutter even inside the offense. I mean, Robertson's an okay cutter, but they don't have a wing who I'd say is, you know, that's that's a Rip Hamilton level cutter and they don't have a guy who's really running off screens and, and you know, running off pin downs or anything like that for threes or anything like that. So I, I don't think that his assists are really going to go up and I don't see why the rebounds would go up. And obviously he's going to score more, but uh, you know, from, I think he's going to have a great year. I just, I don't know if the numbers are going to be as, you know, video game, like as, as people say, once you really start to think about it. All great points. And you mentioned the, the lack of a wing to get the ball to, to create something. And I, I, you know, how does this team create spacing? I know that, you know, uh, Adams has improved as an offensive player and that Cantor and Westbrook kind of have a thing, you know, in, in the pick and roll. But, you know, I, I don't see places maybe, I you know, I'm not seeing them. And I'm, I, that's why I want to ask you. I, I just I'm not seeing places where they can kind of create some space for those kind of actions to really thrive. Yeah, it's going to be tough to create spacing. I, that's going to be their biggest offensive issue this year. There's there's no question about that. I mean, I think I think we're going to see probably a lot more motion. Look, we're going to see a different schemed offense this year than we did in the past. It's not going to be a my turn, your turn type of offense because your turn went to Golden State. So, so you know, Russell Westbrook's going to kind of have to facilitate in his own. He's going to have uh, you know he's going to have a little depot there to help him, but when those guys penetrate the floor, it's it's going to be clogged. There's no question. And I think Ilyasova is going to have to start just to remedy some of that because he shoots three shoots threes and guys guard him on the perimeter, so it'll open up the floor a little bit more for those guys. But I imagine they'll try Anthony Morrow because he shoots. He's a tremendous shooter, and uh, they'll hope that you know Alex Abrines can do something and. 
uh, there's going to be more motion in the offense. They're going to implement a new kind of offense, and uh, you know they're going to they're going to try Kyle Singler and hope he shoots his career percentage. I imagine as well because uh, he's still a 37 percent three point shooter even after the the really down year he had last year. So any way they can they can try to scavenge up some amount of shooting, I think that's just something they they have to do. Um, and you know the the wonder I wonder if if they're going to encourage Canner to start shooting more threes because I think he's physically able to do it. But the issue is one of his best traits on the basketball court is that he's just such a great offensive rebounder. So if you put him at the three-point line, you're kind of losing that. Um, so so I don't know. But maybe maybe you help your transition defense if you tell him to stop chasing offensive rebounds and you put him at the three-point line so he kind of gets a head start going back the other way. So so I, 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 don't, I don't really know how they weigh those priorities. But spacing is um, – yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely going to be an issue because they have a lot of guys who are below average three point shooters at their positions, and uh, it's something they're going to struggle with this year. It's it's really the main reason why I said earlier why I think they're going to be a bottom half of the league offense. Right, totally. Yeah, you hit you you hit that note early, and it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see the you know what they come up with you know, once the season starts, you know, cause then we'll see, you know, how they make that, you know, what their calculus is on making that decision. Are they going to have Cantor step out more or do they just, or do they say like, it's more valuable that he gets offensive rebounds and second chances for us than take out and shoot threes because of our spacing. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Billy Donovan answers that question. Cause I thought he did a, you know, I mean, you've talked about how good of an offensive coach you think he is. And, you know, he really did coach a great offense last year. And I think too, you know, he just showed in the playoffs a lot. I thought too, you know, he was very adaptive. So I, I, you know, I are adaptable. And so I think, you know, he will adapt, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see how he's going to adapt with this, you know, really, you know, whole new team. I know me too. And I'm not quite sure exactly what he's going to do, but I do think there's going to be a lot more, a lot more motion, a lot of different, you know, more more creative types of screens. I think we're going to see more, you know, Stephen Adams pick and roll. I think we're going to see Adams even get to create a little more out of the pick and roll on short rolls to the free throw line, and we're going to see a couple more post ups with him. Uh, you know, I think they're going to try to get some more offense out of Ennis Canner and maybe get him four or five more minutes a night because of that. Um, you know, there are a lot of different ways they're going to play it, and there's there's some redundancy on this roster. So I think he's going to go through his entire roster and trying to figure out his rotation this year. It's one of those teams where I wouldn't be surprised if come game number like 80, come game number 80, 81, wherever we're at, right at the end of the year, Billy Donovan is still playing around with a rotation that was different than the the previous nights. Uh, So, I mean, none of of that stuff would would, would surprise me. It's a little different than than the Blazers, who I think it's a little more intuitive what's going to happen with their roster, although there's obviously some room for interpretation with where Turner goes and how many minutes Crab gets and, and all that. Yeah, no, that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch for the Blazers because I think you know what it's all going to look like. You just don't know who's going to be where. And so, like, you know, we know Aminu's going to be the starting power forward. We just, and we know that Lillard and McCollum are going to get as many shots as they need and create a lot for everybody else, and that Plumlee's going to operate from the high post and grab rebounds and lead the break. We all know that. It's just kind of like who's going to be at that three spot. You know, is it going to be Turner? Is it going to be Crab? even Mo Harkless. And so that's kind of, I'm really interested to see that. And then the other thing that's kind of added a little bit of, you know, 
a wrinkle to the Blazers right now too is that like none of their like a lot of their big men are injured right now. Festus Azili's hurt, Noah Vonley's hurt, Myers Leonard's still coming back from a shoulder injury. So that they had to sign Greg Steamsma to come into camp the other day. Uh, and so j- j- just to get another body in there is what I think it is. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be, uh, really interesting how the rotation, you know, but it's, it's small tweaks. Whereas I think, you know, you could see the whole 15 man roster potentially being used by the thunder. I love that they signed the steamer. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. When, when a veteran goes to summer league and actually gets rewarded for it. I love that. Like Razul Butler is like a 32-year-old going to Summer League a couple years ago. I got irrationally pumped for Razul Butler, Summer Indiana Pacer. Nobody gave any love to Keith Bogans, though, when he went to Summer League for the Blazers, like, to last not this past summer, but the summer before that. He was there with the Blazers. He barely played at all. He was just there. Uh, and it was just like, wow, Keith Bogans, like, still out here. And then that was when he also, like, threw a bunch of shade – onto the 76ers for how they treated him. Like they didn't call, they didn't call him. It was just like, they just like, he found out like later that he was released. It was crazy. Uh, But yeah, the veterans at summer league, you know, that's actually his, uh, his, his given name. That's the name on his birth certificate. He just goes by Keith. It's short for wow. Keith Bogans. (laughs) Wow. uh, It's a surprise. It's, it's Keith Bogans. Yeah, that's actually – well, the Blazers actually have my favorite summer leaguer ever on their training – they invited him to training camp. They invited Tim Quarterman to training camp, my favorite summer leaguer, just because just because he sounds like he'd be a dentist based out of the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Tim Quarterman, I, I, I don't know this, but I do have I, – I think that he might have a chance you know, to maybe make the team. I, I don't know if Mon- – I would just say that Montero's um, – place on the roster I think is a bit it, it's 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 the most precarious one of the 15 guys that were on of the 15 guys on there last year that like and you know that were on there last year that stayed they cut Cliff Alexander but uh I think I think Connaughton's spot is pretty safe but I it, it is is relatively safe but I just think that you know Montero maybe is the one that's like a little iffy so that I think there might be a 15th you know I think there could be a 15th roster spot uh, battle in camp. And I think Quarterman, you know, might get a shot. Good. And if Quarterman doesn't make it, he can always go back to his dentistry practice working on, uh, I, I imagine he's a pediatric dentist working out of the Upper East Side. And he's, he, he, he does a good job. He's, he's got some awards and he, he, he speaks at conferences. He's that accomplished. It's, it's very exciting for him. So he's got, he's got a nice second career to fall back on. You know, the, you know, those kids that can't stay away from the candy, it's cavities all day. You know, it's just, that's just money in the bank for Tim Quarterman. Well, the kids, the kids love – he'd love going to his office because he's got a Pac-Man machine in his office. And they love, they love just playing on the Pac-Man machines. It's, it's, it's great. They've got, they've got one of those old hockey, hockey machines too where you, like, you, you play it almost like it's like a, like a foosball table. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Those like ones that like clearly it's from the 80s but like the impressive part of it is that it's still actually working and that like a piece of gum hasn't gotten clogged in there. You know why a piece of gum hasn't gotten clogged in there? Why? Because Dr. Quarterman does not allow you to chew gum at the dentist. That's why. <laughs> that was a, a great, great story. Love that. Um, hey, talk, to, talk to Tim Quarterman about it. You can get the exclusive. I, I will. I'm going to ask him about his dentist practice that he conducts in secret after uh, when he flies cross country after practice. 
He moonlights. He moonlights. He moonlights. That's all it is. Yeah. Is this is this is this everything? Does this mean we've run out of things? I think so. I I, I, I don't <laughs> I don't think we have anything. I guess. Um, yeah. Before I mean, we go, I do yeah, have a question yeah, for you. Yeah, I was going to say. I think we, we might have one thing. Oh, yeah, one thing. So who who wins more games? Uh, that's Blazers. What I, that's what I was going for. I'm going to say Blazers are going to win more games. Ah, interesting. I am. <laughs> we we've got we've got the homer takes here. What I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say the Thunder win one more game. Okay. I I I when I come out with my preseason predictions, we'll have the Thunder at 45 and the Blazers at 44. Okay. Uh, I um I feel like uh, I I mean maybe it's Homer or or what, but I I I consider myself a Blazers optimist. I think they're gonna be. I think they're going to get home court in the first round. I just think that they're going to be a, a really solid team. But uh, I'm excited to see how these two teams shake out, and I'm excited for all the games because I'm, they're going to be all really good, especially with how how closely matched they are now. Now that Durant is gone, it's you know it's going to be an even better matchup. Yeah, it seems from our conversation, I'm a little more down on on the defense than you are. Um, I just wonder kind of how they're going to do without with with Aminu. I think really being their only plus defender because i agree with you mccollum's not terrible but he's not a plus defender and dame's not a plus defender and uh you know if 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 turner's gonna have to guard wings more i think that could hurt them uh and and Plumlee, while he's he's pretty quick and he's not bad in the pick and roll it's not a rim protector and he's not someone you yeah i don't think he's great when he guards as a four i think he's better when he guards as a five but he's also not a rim protector and and you know if you're gonna play leonard or, or whoever else it's it's going to be trouble. I guess if Azili's healthy, that helps a lot because Azili is a is is a really good rim protector and a good defensive player. But he's already hurt, so that that could end up being an issue, and that's part of why he didn't get a lot of money or as much money as you know similar players to to him this summer too. So that's that's I think their defense is just going to be a trouble. I think they're going to be a really good offensive team. Like with that backcourt, they're going to be a really good offensive team. Like that's. That's I haven't done it out in my head, but like that's got to be one of the five best backcourts in the NBA, and maybe I'm actually selling that short by saying one of the five best, right? Perhaps I think I think they're right up there in the top. You know, I, I think they're in the conversation with a lot of great backcourts. You know, with Toronto's, with the Clippers, with obviously the Warriors, of course. But you know, I think they're you know they're a top four at least. I would say uh, I would take them over Toronto's. Uh, and so, you know, maybe I, I'd probably put him in, in my like top three along with, you know, after, you know, Stephen Clay, uh, DeRozan, you know, not DeRozan and Lowry, but uh, Paul and Redick. And then probably I would have I would have Lillard and McCollum right there right after those guys, because I think, you know, they're great. And I think on the defense, I think one guy that you forgot to mention defensively that I think has a really good chance to start is Mo Harkless. Like I, I they had True. like they had like a plus fourteen net rating, and their defense was like it was like the only starting lineup that they had with a defensive rating under a hundred. And so and so so and I think they have two six nine guys, and Harkless is much is quicker than than Aminu. So I think he gives them a little bit of a dimension. So I you know. Uh, yeah, I do agree though that that's that's the biggest question mark. I guess it's going to be again a kind of a interesting look once the season starts how they answer that. True, and that's a good point. I like Harkless as a defender, and he's versatile too. He can guard multiple positions, and 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 you know even in, even in the playoffs they had a lot of success with him as a small ball four there. So he's uh yeah no Harkless is a good player, and that was that was a good resign for them. Do you want to tell tell uh, talk about locked on Blazers before? Uh, before we move along, absolutely subscribe to Locked On Blazers, part of the uh, robust 
Locked On Podcast Network. We are on iTunes. We are on Audio Boom, of course, our, our hosts, uh, and Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, everywhere you can get a podcast. Listen, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBlazers, and you can even send us an email at LockedOnBlazers, one word at gmail.com. You should follow Eric. He's uh, he does he does great work and he's a fun follow. Uh, quick break. Remember, we're not done. We got Dion Waiters stuff. Who doesn't want Dion Waiters stuff? So let's take a quick break and then we're going to be welcoming in co-host of Locked On Heat, uh, David Ramel. <laughs> 